0: Hello and welcome to 90.5 WESA's Good Question podcast. I'm series producer Katie Blackley. We've had a blast making good question stories for the past few years, reporting on everything from public art made of industrial waste to the city's former red light district. All of our features are based on questions submitted by you, our curious listeners. I'm so glad you've joined us. After the break, we'll take a ride on one of Pittsburgh's most distinct transportation features, the incline.
1: We have the two famous inclines, but Were there any others in the city of Pittsburgh? Stay with us. Support for the Good Question podcast is made possible by the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra, bringing great music to Pittsburgh for 126 years. Calendar of performances and ticket information is available at PittsburghSymphony.org.
0: Giddy crowds gather in the lobby of the Duquesne Incline's upper station on Mount Washington. The packed room watches the slow ascent of the vibrant red rail car until the bell indicates it's time to climb aboard. This incline and the Monongahela incline to the east are the last two of their kind in Pittsburgh. Good question listener Jason Ferranti from East Liberty says he was looking into the funicular's history.
1: And something came up about an old incline that was torn down. So it just got me wondering about we have the two famous inclines, but... Were there any others in the city of Pittsburgh?
0: In their heyday, more than a dozen inclines were scattered throughout the region. Historian Donald Doherty wrote an entire book about the city's funiculars. He says miners had long used inclines to move coal, but it wasn't until the construction of the Monongahela Incline that anyone considered using them to move people. As Pittsburgh grew in the late 1800s, a mass transportation technology like the inclines took on a new purpose.
1: All the land right down around the rivers, it's... Is packed with industry and commerce, so naturally live on top of the hills.
0: This was before cars and paved roads, and the only way to get up Mount Washington was a half-mile winding set of steps called the Indian Trail. So engineers took on the challenge, and in 1870, hundreds of people rode the Monongahela Incline on opening day.
1: Going up an incline was just an amazing experience. You're just rising up above the city, looking out at this huge view And moving fast, it only took two minutes to get up to the top.
0: 45 people at a time could ride the 375 feet between West Carson Street and the top of Mount Washington. The Mont Incline was built with strong cables, similar to those used in the city's bridges and the newly Pittsburgh-invented Ferris wheel. Doherty says it was a neat time to be an engineer.
1: I think it was just bubbling over like in the uh, information industry today, where where we're always, ooh, look at this new, exciting innovation. Well, they're exactly the same way, but much more in mechanical engineering.
0: The inclines were typically wooden and run by steam engines with boilers at the top. Its four parallel tracks were made of iron first and steel later. Engines powered the cables that hoist the cars using a pulley system with huge wheels. Then the cars counterbalance each other. That's why they'll always pass each other right in the middle of the ride. A year after the Mon began operating, the Mount Oliver incline opened, taking passengers from the south side to Allentown. Then there were the Duquesne and Fort Pitt inclines and several on the north side. Doherty says his favorite was the Nunnery Hill incline in Fineview.
1: Amazing thing. Almost looks like a roller coaster or something. It actually had a big sweeping curve and then it also kind of curved up. So kind of had a double curve.
0: The largest was the Penn Incline that went from Liberty and 17th in the Strip District to the Hill District. It was originally a freight incline, so its cars were built to carry 300 tons. There were also inclines in McKee's Rocks, St. Clair, and Castle Shannon. But by the end of World War II, it was clear that the inclines were on their way out, and cars were the new, cool way to get around. Plus, commerce was changing, and the coal industry no longer had a need for them. Doherty says people tried to stop the closure of the city's incline by filing court injunctions and signing petitions.
1: But ultimately, uh, if it came down to money, the issue was everybody was driving.
0: If you look closely, you can still see evidence of where some of the funiculars once stood. But the Monongahela and Duquesne inclines are the only ones to survive. And they remain some of the city's most iconic sites. Coming up after the break...
1: Why are the streets and actually the streams in Pittsburgh referred to as runs?
0: Let's take a jog through the past and see just why this is so. Stay with us.
1: Get Pittsburgh news and Pittsburgh stories delivered right to your inbox every weekday morning at 7 with Inbox Edition, a newsletter from WESA. It's a quick read that brings you up to speed on the most important topics of the day. It's easy to subscribe at WESA.FM slash inbox.
0: There are about 80 roads in Allegheny County that include Run in their names. No one runs down these streets, so how did the name become so ubiquitous? Listener Erin Malloy is a Pittsburgh boomerang. She grew up here but has lived in other parts of the country. And when she returned to western Pennsylvania, she wondered.
1: Why are the streets and actually the streams in Pittsburgh referred to as runs?
0: Steubenville, Ohio resident Tom Sofio had the same question.
2: Rush Run Road, Campbell's Run Road.
0: Sawmill Run, Nelson Run, Glass Run, these roads are all over the county. Usually they refer to the stream or creek that flows alongside the street. Most of these creeks are tributaries of the region's rivers. University of Southern Mississippi geography professor Joby Bass says they're not called creeks or streams or bayous here because the word originates from the large immigrant population that settled here.
1: It looks like it came with northern English people, northern British people, and Scot-Irish.
0: The city's early immigrants arrived from these European countries and settled in the frontier that would become Pittsburgh. The word run is Old English, derived from the word rinnin or ernen. It shares origins from old European dialects and means to flow, or a water course. When people moved to Pennsylvania, they brought this word with them and named the creeks they encountered. Kind of like leaving a fingerprint. This is a concept called first effective settlement. The group that arrives in a location first and firmly establishes themselves leaves a lasting cultural impact. But this idea
1: that there's a group of people called streams, runs meant that everybody who
2: came after it was going to use that term.
0: Runs is used predominantly in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and some parts of Ohio. The term kill is used in parts of New York, and Rio is found in the southwest. Building streets near Runs made sense. The land around them was usually flat, and the routes they took were already familiar to early settlers because they used the water for transportation. Near Lowry's Run in the North Hills, next to a playground and construction site, History blogger John Chulkowski pulls out a piece of paper with all the streets called runs in Allegheny County.
2: Almost every run, uh, run road, does have some kind of creek near it or next to it or piped up next to it.
0: Chulkowski has learned the origins of these run roads. In fact, he's currently writing a book about the stories behind local street names.
2: Who is Jack's? Who is Thompson? Who is Beck's? All right, Gertie's. You know, each run tells a story.
0: Take Woods Run Road. It's not named after the trees it winds through, but instead, George Woods, an early surveyor in Pittsburgh. And Moon Run Road is a nod to the crescent-shaped curve of the Ohio River through that community.
2: When you get mile roads in general or mile runs, um, that could be for two reasons. Uh, One being that it's four miles long.
0: The other, he says, is that the road begins four miles away from a city center. It measures length, which was important for travelers who didn't have a map or GPS. Then, of course, there are names after nature, like Deer Run Road and Spring Run Road, and some oddballs like Potato Garden Run Road and Rainbow Run Road. Wexford and the Associated Run is named after a town in southeast Ireland. Sawmill Run Boulevard refers to the former sawmill at the mouth of its namesake tributary through the west end.
2: I'm sure somewhere at the bottom of the hill, the creek still exists somewhere. I'm sure if you spent the time, you probably could track down the runs and creeks that all these things were named after.
0: Every run has a story. Whether it refers to an old landmark, like Coal Pit Run, or a former landowner, like Flaherty Run, each reflects the area's history. So next time you find yourself on a run road, look for the water that first helped connect and shape the region. Across the street from the Trolley Stop Inn on Library Road in Bethel Park, there's a sign. It's white and rectangular, the lettering is fading a little bit, and on the leftmost side is a large orange dot. It's nearly the size of a basketball, and the label boldly proclaims Orange Belt. Arrows point to the right, indicating that's the way to the airport and Upper St. Clair. When I see them as I'm driving around, the signs seem to follow a pretty random path. That's listener Julia Pepping. If I start from home and follow the orange belt sign, will I eventually find my way back home? And will I have circumnavigated the city of Pittsburgh? The Allegheny County belt system is one of those things that once you know it's there, you'll start to see it everywhere. There are six colored belts, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and purple. Pittsburgh Community Reinvestment Group Policy Director Chris Sandvig says the routes were designed in the 1940s by former Allegheny County Public Works engineer Joseph White. This was before President Dwight Eisenhower built the interstate highway system. The belts were meant to offer residents a way to get around the region without having to drive through the Golden Triangle downtown. Here's Sandvig.
2: In Pittsburgh, uh, if you're trying to get, like, say, east-west in the South Hills or north-south in the East Hills, you can't get there from here, right? Everything goes into the city and comes out, and so the belt system was kind of a way to uh, get you around the city.
0: Sandvig says the belt system wasn't technically built, it was more labeled. Each belt is different, and sometimes connects you to places you wouldn't expect. The Purple Belt is the smallest, at about two miles, and circles the cultural district downtown. The Blue Belt runs just outside a lot of the city of Pittsburgh and is a little under 40 miles. The Green Belt could lead a North Hills family to Kennywood. If you're driving through Plum on the Yellow Belt, keep an eye out for a cat crossing sign. It was home to celebrity cat Pudgy Wudgy in the 80s and 90s. The Orange Belt is the longest and goes through all the parks, North, South, Boyce, Deer Lakes, and a few others. Finally, there's the Red Belt. It's a scenic belt, and you can see some neat signs and sculptures. The roads on the Beltway are almost always what county public works engineers call arterial and collector streets. They're not highways, but they're able to hold more traffic than your average small-town road. To call the routes a belt, though, is a little bit of a misnomer. As our listener Julia points out, belts imply a complete circle. Because it's a belt system, because it's called the belt, I assumed that that was the case, but I wasn't sure. The yellow, blue, and purple are jagged but closed rings, while the other three, the red, orange, and green, they have more of a U-shape. The red and orange belts were supposed to be circles, but some of their route fell outside of Allegheny County, and that complicated the planning. Michael and Fox Scotto write a travel and lifestyle blog called 101 Achievements. They've driven all the belts. Here's Michael. I mean, it's been, you know, pretty interesting to travel the beltways just because, like, you connect different parts of town that maybe you wouldn't in your imagination. Like, you know, connecting on the Green Belt, Fox Chapel, kind of you're crossing right by there with, you know, Duquesne. He says there's something to see on every belt. It's kind of fun to rediscover Pittsburgh that way, getting from— place to place in sort of unexpected ways. Navigating via belt around Allegheny County will probably take you a little longer than if you were taking a highway, but for many, that's the entire idea. Do you have a favorite belt system color? I'm partial to the blue, but that's probably because it's near my house. The green belt shape is pretty goofy, as we mentioned, it's just a squiggly line from McKeesport to Emsworth. Let us know on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at 905WESA. Thanks for listening to our Good Question podcast. You can find more about the series and explore all the fantastic reporting from my colleagues in the newsroom on our website, WESA.FM. For our Good Question series, I'm Katie Blackley. Stay curious.